Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Welcome to the podcast maneuver, the officially unofficial podcast for Star Trek Picard on Paramount Plus. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. We're back for another season two, episode eight podcast. This time, the feedback. We want to know what you guys thought. Uh, Aaron, I hear we have at least enough to get through a little bit of uh, podcast today. We do. I don't, I don't know if we, we were threatening a container breach like we have uh, previous weeks. I think uh, uh, LaForge has got that nailed down. Uh, nice. Wesley helped him. You know, somehow magically increase the the efficiency of the magnetic containment bottle by thirty three percent. So hmm. we'll see. We'll see what kind of Titanic flood will 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 take to overrun reactors. Uh, if you would like to get uh, your message in through the subspace channels, it's Picard at BaldMove.com, of course. Up front, of course, and also this is uh, feedback for episode two hundred eight. Mercy, it's more for me and Jim's benefit than you guys. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Steve J's up first. He says, Picard has joined the bald move rarefied air previously only enjoyed by season 10 and beyond of The Walking Dead. As of two episodes ago, I've only been listening to the podcast while skipping the show altogether. Good for you. Listening to your confusion, dismay, occasional praise, and spit take off-the-cuff comments is all the entertainment I need. I'm not sure how it speaks to the quality of the show itself, but I'm already looking forward to next week's breakdown. Honestly... Uh, I don't think there's going to be anything in the final week or two that's going to change um, my mind as far as the trajectory of the season. But yeah, Picard has a secret weapon, signing on literally the entire cast of the Next Generation, guaranteeing my mm-hmm. ass will be on the couch in front of my TV to watch it next season. So it's like this is, I, I, this Picard is not critic proof. It's this critic proof. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all I all I all I see is my space daddy. Uh, when I'm watching the show and uh, I'm smiling, but uh, that's that's really high praise. I I get a kick out of people who because I got that way. I I started watching television when this site called Television Without Pity was kicking around the internet, and there's a couple shows that I used to like, and they they had a very snarky take and breakdowns of it. It's all text bases before podcast, but I found myself a couple of shows where I'd stop watching and I was just reading the recaps because I really enjoyed how much they were just like tearing into the shows and stuff and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they broke it down enough that I felt like I could keep up with the action. So I get it. I get it. Uh, and I, like I said, I, I, I think it's hilarious. So we'll be here for you this season and uh, undoubtedly next one. I, there are, there are circumstances I could see as not covering it. Like if there was like three other pulp shows on. Yeah. Even then I have to imagine to get like an episode for the season. And just to talk and about also, thoughts about the way that they brought the characters back and things. It, it might retreat to off the clock. Cause I can't imagine myself not right. watching the show. Right. I mean, with all, all my, all my beloved crew members coming back. Um, 
but we'll see. We'll see next year whether it's uh, relegated to off the clock or whether it gets full flagship Picard coverage. Matt's up next. Says, I was listening to your review of Picard Season 2, Episode 8, during which you returned a couple times to the point that Rafi's behavior this week is entirely antithetical to being a Starfleet officer. I'd argue this problem is one fundamental to storytelling across all of New Trek properties. Let's exclude mm-hmm. Lower Decks from this category. People, people keep talking about Lower Decks in hushed tones, Jim. Have you seen any of the Lower Decks? I saw the first episode, and I really liked it. Uh, yeah. But that was the only thing that was available for free preview, and I would have had to sign up for Paramount Plus, I think, or CBS All Access. I forget what it was at the time, but yeah, mm. I would have had I would have had to pay them money to see the rest of it. I'll eventually do that. We'll need the next the next season premiere. We need to ask for screeners. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, Starfleet as an organization is one part diplomatic corps, one part scientific research institution, and one part military apparatus. Uh, which is mm-hmm. this is true, and they've derived a lot of tension because, like um, in universe, the Federation's enemies like to point out the contradictory nature. Oh, you got you Federation types and Starfleet are all about peace, but you got your photon torpedoes and your fucking Well, because you fuckers and... aren't, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> right, well, right. Yeah. But it, it, it mirrors a lot of, like, the, uh, you know, uh, Soviet-U.S. relations where it's like, you're the bad guy. No, you're the bad guy. Well, you do bad stuff sometimes, too. Well, you do bad stuff more than, you know, it's... it's uh, Sure. Adds a little bit of... Versim- What's that word? Versimilitude? Some realism like in the world building. Shouldn't use words if I can't pronounce them, but then I'd have like a six word vocabulary. <laughs> uh, Matt says, I worked in a diplomatic field for several years and in academia on the medical side for nearly a decade. Holy shit. He's got two of the, the fields covered. Uh, enlist and you'll you'll be a Starfleet officer. <laughs> the nature of these beasts is that they weed out or avoid promoting to higher levels those people whose behaviors are detrimental or distracting from the overall mission of the organization. Starfleet's always presented us as a highly professional organization with exacting standards. On top of that, our particular narrative window into the Star Trek universe has always shown us the best of the best. Yes, characters have flaws and troubles, but the values, culture, and community of the institution of Starfleet always molds them into better human beings. The mission is a priority, and the ultimate members of Starfleet are willingly subservient to that mission. This is true, because like the Enterprise mm-hmm. was the flagship of the Federation. Like This yeah. is where... You, you, all the best of the Starfleet graduating class from the academy is going to go. Everyone's going to vie for. Although it's also the worst place to go because no one will ever be promoted because sure. Picard's never going to leave the and Riker's never going to get his own captaincy. And well, fucking... it's also a, a captain making factory too, right? Like, I mean, in this case, it's bad, but like yeah. you could see if Riker wasn't such a, a commandophobe, I guess. Yeah, uh, that's the way these flags are moving on, to work. and then people, yeah, yeah, turn it's, them into. It's supposed to get. It's supposed to groom a captain to be an admiral, right. a first officer to be a captain, and like they 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 do that faithfully in like the second season because you know Worf and Geordi get pretty big upgrades, and you know kind of like, but then they right. get into the stasis field of the entire bridge crew. But you know that's television. <laughs> sure. Uh, the priority of the storytelling across all new Trek. Matt continues, is the emotional state of the individual, and while I'm certain many people in this fictional Star Trek universe of the future suffer from the emotional struggles and insecurities that are being depicted, these people are not going to be officers in Starfleet, especially when Starfleet is annually battling to save life as we know it. The stakes are pretty high. So if I were writing Picard with these characters, I'd have made Picard's orchard and winery a penal chateau. (laughs) Picard, in all his wisdom and experience, sends his retirement 
spends his retirement helping this ragtag bunch of broken souls heal themselves and one another, and many hijinks ensue. The same character with the same flaws, but in a more believable setting can make for much better storytelling. Best regards, and please keep up the exhausting schedule because I can always consume more. Holy moly. <laughs> um, I... I really, that's, I mean, I don't know about a penal colony, but there's something to that. Because, like, the thing about the 24th century Federation is, let's say you are traumatized. Because I imagine if you have an encounter with the Borg or the Romulan or you're in one of those outposts that gets destroyed or you're the sole survivor of a crystalline entity attack or you just watched half the crew get pulled apart by some gas monster because he wants to know all the ways humans can die, that would be a hard thing even with... Deanna Troy helping you out to get through. But mm-hmm. this is a future where, like, if you f- wash out a Starfleet because you're too traumatized, you, you're fine. You're, you're, all your uh, physical and emotional needs will be cared for for free. You can go back to Earth, open sure. up a Cajun restaurant, uh, spend time, <laughs> uh, you know, in, in some kind of, like, uh, recovery facility. There's no need. There's no, no need to keep throwing people, broken people out into that. And... Yeah, and, and there you probably imagine there'd be no shame either. You know, you served the Federation, you got burnt, and and uh, you get a hero's welcome and try to make you as comfortable as you can. Um, that would have been an interesting thing that if, if Picard had some kind of you know because he is a you know something someone that never got over his Borg trauma after Starfleet he ran some kind of um, reclamation house. For, ungifted uh school for traumatized officers yeah uh and then like you could have like like some kind of uh what's that stupid show uh space camp where the movie where the you know kids are they're doing the space camp down in huntsville alabama but then a real shuttle crisis happens and these kids are the best trained astronauts and (laughs) you can still find a way to maybe put these guys in sure yeah, yeah, or an Armageddon situation. You, you can find a way mm-hmm. to put these people in, you know, to these situations. But having Rafi not just be a Starfleet officer, but she's like a Federation training captain. Yeah, yeah. You know, she's she's working the 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 school ships. It's going to train the next generation. It's 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 dumb. It's dumb. It is, and I think the bigger shame of it is there's so much of what New Trek is doing out there already. Do we really need Trek to be a copycat of everything else that's popular on television right now? Or could we actually do something more akin to the originals, which is super, super lacking? Uh, I, I don't see a lot of, of the type of show that Star Trek used to be on the air. And, I mean, even back then you didn't see a ton of it. So, like, right. I, I, I feel like it's a shame to take this show that could have been something more and just turn it into mainstream everyday television. And in this era, why not do a niche show that doesn't appeal to everyone? Like, uh, you know, 500,000 people watching a show is a hit. And uh, uh, on some of these smaller platforms, I, I'm puzzled. Um, because you're right. They're, I used to think that, like, okay, if you want an action show, it's going to be stupid, right? But then, you know, Cinemax started doing stuff like Strike Back and Banshee, which are balls-to-the-wall action flicks and are somewhat silly, but they take their characters seriously and, you know, yeah. do really interesting development and, and the, the plotting is, like, you, you don't have to sacrifice that stuff if you want to pause every ten minutes and have people punch the shit out of each other. Sure. Um, this is, like, dumb strike back or dumb banshee, and also the action's not nearly as good. It's tons of it, 
And that's but, the thing we've got, you know, we've got action series. We've got a ton of drama series that are all doing yeah. these very character focused things. Could we not have something that says humans can be more than their trauma? Like, yeah, that's, that would be novel and interesting in this, in the current TV landscape, but no, they've just got to go with the pack, I guess. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. John H. is up next. It says, probably too simple, but I see you have an FBI agent here who I'll now refer to as not Mulder, hell-bent on getting proof of aliens preparing to attack the Earth. One good Picard speech, and he's turned around. The aliens are now benign, and he loses his job. Could not Mulder have been the pivot in the timeline? Well, that's Picard's speech, and with life, alien life discovered in Europa, not Mulder helps to build up the xenophobic culture that grows into the Confederation. With the Picard speech and findings on Europa, the consciousness of Earth expands into a future which leads to the Federation. Probably too simple and has little to do with the whole mental health of Q and Picard, but hey, it's no worse than some of the directions this series has gone. Um, sure. I saw a, a take on Twitter, I think it was last night, where people were saying, what, what, like, how much money would it take to get David Duchovny Mm-hmm. to actually be this agent and you have this like crossover um i don't know what the relationship is between paramount and fox but i i, I would that have been too hokey for you if it was actually agent Mulder? if it was actually Mulder, yeah i mean because canonically I, that's his that's his deal man he's an fbi agent that yeah. investigates shit like this he's obsessed with uh, the truth being out there and aliens and whatnot you know mm-hmm. but yeah maybe too fan servicey uh, I, I do like this idea that, like, instead of Picard giving this speech and everything's kumbaya, that, like, um, a, a scenario that would fuel this FBI agent's paranoia, uh, making him feel like he was manipulated. Now you've got alien life, and now it's it, it sets humanity on this very militaristic, xenophobic arc. Um, that would be that that would be cool. I I don't know. What do you think? Do you think yeah, that's going to be the linchpin, Jim? No, it's just not the story they're telling. Still going to be something involving Renee and Picard in a way that I don't quite see yet, and there's only two episodes to go, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see if they can bring see if they can bring the separated star, star saucer section <laughs> down to a soft landing on the planet below. Yeah, that or the harder thing, just to to reassemble it in space manually. Mm, do a manual docking process. Oh my mm-hmm. god, it's never been attempted before. Right. Uh, Paul says. Maybe I'm missing something obvious, but why doesn't Seven of Nine have her Borg implants? I get that the crew has snapped uh, or is transported or sent to an alternate timeline, but why doesn't everyone else, or but doesn't everyone else have their standard universe body? Picard apparently does. Why would Seven of Nine be the only one to wake up in an alt body? 
Anyway, thanks for your awesome coverage. At this point, I'm mostly watching to just hear you two crack me up with the review. Well, thank you, Paul. Again, high praise. You got a take on that, Jim? Why, why doesn't Seven have her implants, even though Picard has his all metal, that, full that's metal the stumper, body? Right? Like, the, the fact that he didn't get his normal human body that he would have had in the timeline that that they're that they came from but she does yeah it doesn't make any sense actually now that i'm thinking about it i don't think they've and then they might have thrown a sentence or two in episode one or two or three that kind of explains this but the way i think i could massage it is that the soons are dominant in this militaristic confederation timeline and that picard would likely have been shot to hell and just body ruined by all of his uh, martial exploits. So, you know, rather than soon being like this clandestine lab, this is just this is just something that anyone can get. Full cybernetic replacement and Picard, uh, the dictator Picard, whatever the hell is the first warlord Picard. Uh, you know, got got really fucked up in his fights against everybody, and he's had a full cybernetic replacement. But, but it pretty stretches seven. the. Because yeah. seven not having to make sense. They meant that, seven, like, seven old, does make sense. Yeah. The only reason she got assimilated because her parents were out exploring the galaxy and unarmed probes, and that just wouldn't happen with mm-hmm. the Confederation. Right. Um, but and I the other thing is like I don't. I mean, clearly this version of Picard didn't have the Uramaji syndrome. What's is that? A, is that genetic or did he catch that on some planet? I assumed it was just genetic, like an Alzheimer's mm. type thing. I don't know. Last few weeks, I've come down to Gerardi syndrome, where I'm inexplicably finding uh, Allison Pill extremely attractive <laughs> and compelling. That's, yeah, that's not genetic. Yeah. You can I catch that. I don't know that. if there's a cure for it. We'll see if she gets uh, freaky t- pneumatic tentacles popping out of her head. It might. It might inoculate <laughs> me. But uh, no, yeah. I think that's the thing. Like I saw this thread this weekend. I can't help myself. I, I do love this show, uh, where someone is defending Picard against the imagine the canon sins that the fans are saying it's committing and he's like like, i I hate the type of thread that takes like the six or seven dumbest things that someone on reddit or twitter says it doesn't understand star trek and it's like (laughs) picard's actually a pretty good show i'm like okay you knock down four or five straw men but there's some pretty glaring inconsistencies with its own canon and things it's like yeah, why, why not just have Picard be in a normal human body? And he just doesn't mm-hmm. have Germati uh, syndrome in, in this timeline. Uh, right. Because it's not like it made a big... I guess, was that the first... Like The only... Need... Go ahead. I was going to say, the only thing I could see that it actually did is forced Talon to, Talon to go into his mind, right? Because they couldn't hit him with the paddles or whatever because he blew those things up so she had to go in and wake him up and so she was you know privy to his memories and it connects them but yeah I feel like that they, they could have done the same thing with a coma it wasn't she didn't enter his mind sure. because he's a robot she entered his mind because she just reversed the technology she uses to observe these other biological beings and and like, I yeah. guess it was the the eye opening moment for the doctor when they tried to shock him, and he like, you know, uh, EMP'd their whole lab. Yeah. But they could have just had uh, someone whip out like the next scene could have been the, exactly how it went, where they beam uh, some kind of crazy tricorder, and she sees that it's like they didn't. I don't know. It seems like an unforced error. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know these people. These people. 
They're uh, not not the world's greatest writers, I think. Uh, Gustav is up next. Says, I had to stop my run in the middle of it to write. This man is out there jogging, listening to our Picard coverage. Had to stop because I was listening to your Episode 8 podcast, and when you started talking about... Jim started talking about a cheap imitation of 90s character actor. I said to myself in my mind, the dad from Elf... Five seconds before Aaron said it, kind of funny how facial recognition or character recognition or just any sort of recognition works. P.S. The show is driving me bonkers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's like the you know the concept of a poor man's whatever. You know, mm-hmm. there are these uh, Hollywood types that are they, 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 there's like archetypes. You know, you need someone that look or feel a certain way. I do wonder why why do you why do you cast the four man's version of the dad from Alf to be an FBI agent that's traumatized and driven by aliens? Like we have the archetype of Mulder who is not like that, you know, I mean, he is like that, but he's not like a, a schlubby nerd, you know, he's pretty, pretty, uh, you know, driven FBI agent in his own right. This, this guy seems like kind of a, a, a joke. Um, even before we understand that he's actually a joke in the FBI. I, it's just a weird way to play it. Yeah, I'm not sure why I get that impression, but I think you're right. It's It might have to do something with this guy wearing like a 1990s fitting suit in the year 2024 <laughs> that uh-huh. I feel like just gives him a, an impression of being less than serious, but I don't know. I don't know. Something Maybe. about the actor. Maybe they're like, we need a guy who's weak-minded and able to be ran around yes. by aliens. And, you know, uh, uh, the dad from Alf could barely keep Alf from eating the family cat. It was a weekly struggle. It was barely, yeah. like, he's just, just white-knuckling his alien situation. So, like, that's 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 the same kind of energy we want to manifest in this character. Get me the poor man's version of the dad from Alf. But that's a stupid choice. That's a tough, that's, that's, not, that's, not, that's not a cool way to go, show. You know? And we need a man who can be convinced in a single conversation with uh, a robot captain from the future to yeah. abandon his entire career. That's right. what we also need. Uh, who is the big bad Cardassian on Deep Space Nine? It's not Elam Garrick. He was the big gay Cardassian from Deep Space Nine. It was uh, <laughs> uh, Gul Dukat. Dukat, yeah. Imagine if Gul Dukat was just ridiculous. Yeah. You know? If this you, guy you, was Gul Dukat. Yeah. Yeah, it's not not good, not no. good. Uh, Michael Junior get grades back with a with another poke at the feedback. Uh, he's saying, "Hey guys, just wanted to briefly point this out, but the music that plays whenever the Borg Queen is on screen and when Gerardi is on screen is none other than the Borg theme written by Jerry Goldsmith for Star Trek: First Contact." Nice. nice to see the producers at least musically acknowledging the tapestry that came before them, even if they can't seem to do the same in their writing. I've always thought the soundtrack written for that film has been sinfully underused, so it's nice to hear it getting used uh, finally. Um, yeah, you've got some great music in Star Trek. Why not? You know? Yeah, I much prefer the Goldsmith stuff to the uh, Russo stuff. Yeah. But that's I'm, just me. I actually think they could reference the TNG. Like, anytime there's something triumphant yeah. happening, they should do the da 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 I mean, why? Why why not use more of that? Oh, I guarantee they will next season, right? You have to. You bring back the I whole crew, you got to use it. I can't got guarantee to. anything. I yeah. guarantee it. 
<laughs> I mean, Paramount owns this shit. Why not, right? Uh -huh. uh, Todd B says, no doubt at your point, uh, no doubt at this point your inbox has been inundated, inundated, inundated with this information. But the actor who played Agent Wells also starred as Lieutenant Duquesne from the Federation time shift Relativity in Season 5, Episode 24, Voyager. Hmm. Holy shit. This is where my Voyager... Because I, I stuck I it out. I long checked out. I, I watched one whole season past the introduction of Seven on Nine. I think that's season three, but I certainly didn't get this season five. So like mm -hmm. I I didn't get this reference. Uh, Todd says every die in the wool Star Trek fan was sure the big reveal is going to be that he was in fact Duquesne undercover again protecting the timeline as he once did before, and would no doubt have a juicy exposition bomb for our heroes, especially with his name like Wells as an HD Wells is in the time machine. Why didn't they do that? Why do you cast? What is their obsession with casting the same face for different things? I mean, this is a Star Trek thing, right? I've I've seen, yeah. uh, shit. I've seen the guy that's in Star Trek. <laughs> I've seen a lot of it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've seen Star Trek do this time and time again, where they just cast the same actor because like oh, they're sure. available and they know them for a different right. role that has nothing to do with the other role they played. That's true. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Is L Lieutenant Duquesne, was he a human? Let me do a web search on him. Because the, what they usually do when that happens is it's like you have a Romulan yeah. commandant playing a Klingon officer or exactly. a Klingon playing a human later. You don't usually literally have the same face. Mm -hmm. um, especially since, like, this would be I, – I, I'm with the diehard fans. If I would known that, I would have been – and I would saw the casting sheet, I'd be like, oh – this is clearly a time guy. Um, and yeah, this guy's just a fucking human. He looks exactly like he's a he's a younger, schlubby officer. Hmm. Um so I don't I don't know. Because that seems like that would be a good idea. I mean James and, Cromwell was in the series twice, right? As two different right? characters. That, and yeah. yeah, he was uh, like a governor of a clone society and then uh -huh. he was that from Cochrane. Yeah. You're right. It is a very Star Trek thing to do. But another point where, like, the fans are expecting the show to be twice as clever as it is when it's half as clever as it should be. Um, let's move on to Josh B. He says, first off, I think the Star Trek Picard is a good show. All right. Everyone's entitled to their subjective opinion. Not great or certainly must watch, but good if you like Star Trek. I I'll agree. I mean, there's a reason I'm still watching this. You know, it is Star Trek. It's better than Disco. It's more Star Trek than the recent movies, with the exception of the 2009 J.J. film. Do you think retro... Because, like, everyone loves the 2009 reboot because it's so fun to see these new, younger characters embodying these beloved... Uh, or actors embodying these beloved characters. Do you think the 2009 J.J. film holds up? I I've been thinking about this lately, uh, having Same. watched Picard and ha having trouble digesting what Picard's putting on screen. I feel retroactively bad for liking that movie because I do like that movie. I think it's a fun, fine action movie with, yes, some great portrayals, perfect casting uh, of these old characters that I loved. It, it, I feel bad for liking that movie because I think it gave license for them to do what they have done to Trek in the last decade, which is just kind of shit all over what Trek was in favor of becoming this action thing, uh, in favor of, like, mass appeal. And I kind of hate that it's become that, and I feel like I contributed to it by liking what they did in Star Trek. 
That's a problem with the movies all together, because it's hard to do a motion picture version of Star Trek. Because even Star Trek has its action episodes, you know? There would be... Totally. You know, the ones that are really pulse-pounding and exciting, you know, like Best of Both Worlds, um, you know, where, where uh, the, the, uh, a mock time where Spock and uh, Kirk are going to gladiator fight over raging Vulcan hormones, shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movies tend to like when when you make a two hour long Star Trek movie that embodies the soul of Star Trek, you get something like the motion picture, which someone we just talked about on lunch yeah. last week dubbed the motionless picture. Uh-huh. Um, and it's it's slow and it's it's not to everyone's taste. The, the movies tend to always kind of emphasize the action because you know you got two hours, you need to bring in people that aren't familiar with Star Trek, you, you action it up. It feels like. Instead of the shows influencing the movies, the movies started influencing the show. And Mm -hmm. J.J., I do think that that's the pivot point where Star Trek just never recovered its intellectual, whatever intellectual heritage it had, it got blown away with all the lens flares and and big dumb action. Like Sulu with a, you know, let's give him a fucking sword because he went crazy that one episode and chased everyone around with a fucking rapier, you know? Like, mm-hmm. let's just lean in, just do nothing but fan service and action. And I'm with you. I loved that film when I first saw it, thought it was a hoot. But now we just resaw it during, what, two years ago during our 24-hour Trek marathon. Right. And I remember thinking, God, I see all of what's wrong with modern Trek embodied in this film. And it was mm-hmm. so good and so fun, I didn't see it. Uh, oh, Josh, I'm sorry. I didn't see you over there. Me and Jim just started talking about Star Trek for five minutes and forgot all about that you had an email you sent. Uh, Josh says, I have a headcanon theory that I wish could have been part of this season. Picard, a 100-year-old man, has had traumatic childhood memories due to his age. His memories obviously would have faded and twisted over the years. Heck, I'm 35 and have vague memories of my childhood. Now he gets this robot body that can recall perfectly what happened in his childhood. Maybe Picard himself cannot recall, but it's now accessible in his new golem mind. Now his memories and his robot brain are in direct conflict and having to reconcile by facing the events like what happened in the previous episode. It would help uh, with the fact that it hasn't been an issue before in Picard's character development. What say you fellas? It's not my understanding of how memory really works, uh, but you could probably get away with it. Sure. I think that is a smart idea because, yeah, our human brains, um, you know, the neurons, like you can have these long dormant memories and you smell a smell and suddenly like you, you had never thought about this memory and now it's coming back in like, you know, full color and sound, right? Whereas if you have, um, I'm presuming a positronic brain doesn't have concepts like weakened synapses or, you know, ran. I feel like that Picard might have perfect recollection of everything that he actually remembered um, in a robot body. And that would have been an interesting thing for them to explore in this first like episode or two, because he's like, well, like commandant of the Federation and, uh, or a, of, of a Starfleet Academy. And, you know, when, if Drotty were a better character, and they have a quiet scene where he's like, you know, I just uh, one of these side effects of my positronic brain is uh, I, I'm I'm recalling all these things that uh, I haven't ever processed as a you know as a fully human person. And they could have set that up as that tension. Um, and even then, that could have like that could have brought Q. Like Q could have like sensed in the space time that Picard's going through 
this difficulty of experiencing some new phase of his existence and he's simpatico with Picard and he's going through some kind of thing that he's yeah I mean I feel like that this is the frustrating thing about this show is I feel like any five random Star Trek fans that have watched three or four series if you gave them the amount of time and budget uh, would write better scripts or if you just want to have the Akiva and whatever uh, Shaban machine write the scripts, have those same five people just watch, look over those scripts and give them some notes. But right, for right. whatever reason, none of this stuff is happening, and, and no one even questions it. It's just, oh, well, Picard's always been, you know, just, just white-knuckling childhood drama, you know? Yeah, I do wonder what the stats have been like, the, the engagement stats, and we'll never know because Paramount Plus isn't obliged to release any of that stuff and right you know nielsen's not gonna get their hands on it um but yeah i I do wonder if you know they've seen a dip because of that in their stats or if people are still watching even in even greater numbers who knows um you hear cues coming back you might have roped a lot of people in and you know season three they come back with more actors from the original and i don't know i don't know i mean it's a big part of it's clearly working for him John Lancey is a big part of roping me in because I I don't think that right. I, I can't remember at the end of last season where we were like guaranteed we're going to come back for season two of Picard because I'm like oh that's season two it's a new writing room uh, I wasn't fully aware that this was literally the same this is like the Zack Snyder problem where you throw the keys to the kingdom to some person who uh, seems keen to have them and then you just have no ability to 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 ever reflect on that decision like are these this the people. You know, people that did disco. Are we? Are we? Are what, what we're getting out of disco is—is is that what we want to get out of Picard? Do we want to have a different creative team? And uh, right. and uh, they're doing, I, I guess, everything but the lower decks. I'm assuming. That's this is the big reason why everyone's asking. Is like, are you going to be? Are you excited about Strange New Worlds or whatever it is? And I, I'm not. Like, I'm going to check it right. out, but I think it's going to be the exact same shit. You're going to have an episode or two that goes through the motions and does the fan service and oohs and ahs over the enterprise and the captain and and you're like ah oh, this is giving me the star trek feels and then it's just going to turn stupid <laughs> yeah yeah um, let's see. uh he says p.s lower decks is considered canon and is the best of the new trek by far lots of voice cameos takes place after nemesis and after voyager gets home so i guess yeah lower decks is canon crazy wow yeah i wouldn't have guessed did you are you aware that the old series had an animated show? Uh-huh. Okay, cuz that that was always considered canon too, but it's not like really? a, and it's not like a cartoon in the sense of lower decks. Like this was a very realistically animated, you know, for the time, uh interesting stories, like it it wasn't like a Saturday morning Star Trek. Um it's uh it feels it feels like Star Trek, but I thought lower decks since it's kind of satirical they would just oh, say, yeah. oh, that's just not canon. But guess, right. guess not. Uh, Zulima O is uh, batting cleanup for us here. She's the, 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 the final final one into the fray. Hey, guys. First time writing, but a long time listener. Well, it's good to hear from you, Zulima. I just finished watching the latest Picard, and the thing that bothers me, even from previous episodes, is people being afraid of pointy ears. Was the FBI guy afraid of the Vulcans because of pointy ears? The Watcher talked about having to hide her ears, too. Even if this universe never had a Star Trek show with Vulcans, they have to have fairies and wizards. I'm positive a few people in that universe modified their ears to be pointy like people do now. 
What do you guys think? Do you think pointy ears aren't the thing in that universe's stories, lore? Live long and prosper. Hmm. You know, I've always thought it's kind of weird how there's this obsession with hiding Spock's ears. Because if you saw someone with pointy ears on Earth right now, Mm -hmm. would you be like, oh, my God, aliens walk among us? No. But it would certainly draw attention. I, I did some research and because I, I, I there's something in the back of my mind tickled me about the there's like a birth defect that gives people these pointy ears and I looked it up and according to Wikipedia there's a condition called Stahl's ear, which is informally known as elf ear, and it's a birth deformity present uh, or it's a birth defect that can be corrected cosmetically because of course, it's also called Spock's ears and it the, uh, the results in an ear that's pointy on the outside it actually comes to a, a small point. So, like, on Earth, we have humans born with pointy ears. We have people wearing costumes, like like uh, um, Zalima here mentions, that have pointy ears. Uh, it's one thing, like, I guess Data. Data's the one that's the biggest problem, because, like, well, maybe he's albino, but he's also got literally gold eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it's like a green tint of skin, too. It's not. It's not just white. Yes, um, I, I I think I don't know. I just feel like if I saw a Vulcan on Earth, I wouldn't I wouldn't suspect that they're an alien. I would think that they're just a person with uh, a weird skin t- coloration and uh, not a Klingon. If you saw oh, a Klingon, totally. you'd be like. But even then, it's like you know people have some crazy shit. And I guess in the 21st century, if I saw someone with like walk in like Worf, I'd just be like, man, that's like got some kind of elephant man type thing going on. And I'm not gonna draw attention to it, make him feel bad about it. Jesus Christ, he's got no control over how fucked up his forehead is. But like everyone's <laughs> like, oh my god, it's aliens. How alien would it have to be? Like alien from Alien? <laughs> I think like uh, who's the first officer in Disco? The guy who's like eight feet tall and oh got, yeah, you get to uh, that like you know if you got you got more limbs than you should have, you got okay. antenna, you got even then more I mean eyes. there's so much cosplay shit going on, such convincing cool cosplay stuff that I'm like, are they are they cosplaying? That'd be my first like instinct is, well that looks crazy. It must be a cosplay. Yeah, is there not like if if uh, since it seems like it's. Uh, something that every Starfleet officer goes through once in their life. They're going to find themselves back in the 20th century. <laughs> there yeah. should be some training in, in the Federation about, like, here's the thing about the 20 and 21st century. They're all rubes, and there's this thing called Hollywood, and mm-hmm. uh, people are walking around. So if, if you ever find yourself walking around in a, in a, a back lot set in, in, in Hollywood, because that tends to be where we go, just just say it's uh, you're, you're working a shoot, and everybody's like, ah, cool, they'll want your autograph. They won't even know who you are. They'll want your autograph. Everything will be cool. Yeah, but no, we always have to get a, a bowler hat to tuck down over Spock's ears or tie a hippie head. Ba- something that draws even more attention to it, right? Right. Like, I think I would have to actually watch them come down from space. Like I would have to see a light in the sky, get closer and closer and closer, and then land in front of me, and then step out of a ship. Right. For me to go, that's definitely an alien. Yeah, especially because like in the voyage home, like Spock walking around in his Vulcan robes and a headband that is way more attention guy like that that's like from three blocks down you're like who the fuck is this cult guy i don't i want to cross the street because he's going to try to get me into his cult whereas if you just had his spock ears you you'd have to be like you know 10 20 feet away before you'd even detect that there's something wrong with him or just put on a big pair of 
Bose or something, right? Like just Bose? headphones. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, not, not like ribbons. No. Yes, yeah, so I was like, I don't think that does accentuate the problem. This guy's got. No, fucking, no, no. I didn't even notice his ears. He's got bows around them. Oh my god. Headphones, just some big ass cans. Big ass cans. Um, so that's that'll do it. On that note, uh, this is this this brings to an end our feedback episode of Picard. Uh, we got two more episodes left. Uh, one will be dropping very shortly. We'll have full coverage of uh, episode nine, uh, Hide and Seek, out very soon. If you'd like to send us some feedback, uh, our subspace frequencies are open. Picard at baldmove.com. Please send us an email. We'll talk about it next week. Thanks for everybody listening, even the ones that aren't watching. We got a we got we got a, we got a, an alien, a powerful alien called the Watcher, and we got powerful listeners just called the listeners that aren't watching. Mm-hmm. So there's some interesting symmetry there. Uh, <laughs> you guys are you guys are the ones that watch the Watcher. You listen to her, and that's how you defeat her watching. It's a paper it's a paper rock scissors Spock lizard Vulcan thing. Uh, Picard at baldmove.com. We'll see you in a couple days for the next episode. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.